Well, good afternoon, radio and podcast listeners, and welcome to KPCALP, Petaluma, California, 103.3 FM. I'm Barton Smith, and you are tuned into The Greater Good. So thank you so much for following us along and making your contributions to The Greater Good. Today, I have two guests with me, two folks that I've known for quite a number of years as neighbors, and uh, super joyful to have them in my life. And although they are making a transition in their life that uh, leaves some of us here in Petaluma sad, they will be very happy for their new ventures that are coming up here shortly. So we're wishing them the very, very best in the excitement that's ahead. And also the community that they're headed to is going to obviously greatly benefit from their arrival as well. So if you would please, I would like to introduce Suzanne Mackey and her husband, Paul Mackey. Welcome, both of you. Oh, hello, Barton. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for being here today. So, Suzanne has got a history in youth education uh, that stems uh, quite a ways back to San Diego and Natural History, history Museum, uh, down into Marin with the Audubon Society um, for kids, and then developing her own youth programs and camps here in Petaluma. So, we're going to slide back to Suzanne in just a moment talk a little bit more about that because we'll need someone to fill her shoes, no doubt about it. Her Muck boots, or yes. you know, her gardening. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> keeper extraordinaire and all that good stuff, right? Garden keeper. Um, and so, Paul is with us here is uh, a veteran of Cal Fire for over 20 years. And obviously, he's been up to a lot of work here lately. And uh, so, we're looking forward to Paul's perspective of uh, community involvement because, obviously, as all of us now know, intensely so. Huge appreciation goes out to the firefighters and the service individuals throughout the state uh, here over the last few years, particularly. So um, I'm super happy to have you both. Thank you so much. Thanks for inviting. Yeah, absolutely. So um, if you would, and we can both jump in on this at any time, or the three of us, you know, but um, tell me a little bit, Suzanne, about uh, what, how you found Petaluma. What, uh, what brought mm-hmm. you here? Well, we were living in Marin and uh, would come and visit. Petaluma, we love the old neighborhoods, mm-hmm. and we'd walk around, and we'd been living in Marin for so long, we weren't used to people smiling at us <laughs> and saying hello. Yeah, and we were actually looking in a few different places, trying to find a community to land in, uh-huh. um, and uh, everywhere we went to look for a house, you know, it wasn't always Petaluma, but we, um, one of the things we do is walk the neighborhood, just say hi to people, see what, see what the feeling was, see what people would say to us, and... People were friendly here. Yeah, we kind of almost mm-hmm. came to Petaluma one night by accident and walked around and and you know that night we you know said we can, we can make it here. This is good. Was that good right? feeling? Yeah. So there was like really a fairly immediate engagement. Yes. Then? Yeah, oh, yeah, we would walk oh, down yeah. the street and people would walk past us and they'd look <coughs> us in the eye and say hello. Yeah. Nice. Good afternoon. <laughs> Sounds simple, but I mean yeah. that that immediate you know, connection with people around you and. The community is really important, and it's kind of just one of those signs of a good place when people are friendly, yeah. aren't afraid to say hello or look you in the eye. Yeah, great. And so you mentioned the old neighborhoods as well. So how did you find your house? Uh, in we, stum- we stumbled into Volpe's one night, one rainy night years and years ago, and uh, we ended up walking the neighborhood up behind Volpe's, which is where we live now. And thinking, oh well, we can't. We could never. We could never buy a house up there. <laughs> and ended up buying a major fixer. Yes. 
and uh, and ended up here. We've always loved houses. He's Paul's from San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Grew up in old houses, old neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. I grew up in the suburbs of Orange County and crappy tract homes. Right. So I always loved the old houses. Right. And that's what we wanted when we wanted a big, uh, a good community and a place to grow food mm-hmm. and have some chickens and ducks and stuff like that. And we made it happen here. Yeah, it was. It, was a, I mean, it felt like the neighborhood and the community was kind of calling us in, and you know we weren't sure we were going to make it. And uh, you know we got turned on to a. <laughs> it sounds funny, but we got turned on to a pretty eccentric but really great real estate agent. Yeah. Who, who really kind of ushered us in and opened up opened up some doors to us and um, helped us make it happen, you know. Yeah. You know, it was, it was a stretch, but we could do it. And that's cool, especially yeah. at that time. Yeah. And they're not referring to me, actually. It was pre-my time. In this day, so. <laughs> <And it's okay. laughs> We're together now. Yeah. So, well, yeah. that's great. And so to just real, real briefly, give us a quick description of the home that you currently have because it's really, really unique. So folks, listen to this because... It, in 14 years in the business, it's one of those things where just this week I've seen several firsts, and yeah. it happened at your house. It's one of those things where you don't you think, oh, 14 years in business, you know, there's not going to be more firsts. Well, in Tedlam on the west side, there's firsts yeah. all the time. Yeah. So. Well, you know, there's there's a lot of interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting things about it. Yeah. Um, and some of the things we only discovered kind of after we'd been living there for a little while. But uh, it, it was originally built in about 19 somewhere between. 1906-1907. I'm pretty sure it was post-earthquake because there's a lot of the materials that are used in part of it look like they were salvaged, and mm-hmm. some of it were salvaged from burned buildings. You, you know, you find a floor joist that's got black charring on it, then a clean one, then another one that's charring. So it didn't burn when they were in the house there. <laughs> they were put in that way. Wow. And you know, some of the walls under the old wallpaper were paneled with um, ship, shipping crates and. And some other really neat old barn wood, interesting salvaged wood at the time from 1907. Huh. And Bud Deacon wasn't around at that time. No. He didn't build it either. <laughs> so it was already made with recycled materials in 1907. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's really neat. Fun right. thing about it, and that kind of lends itself to the evolution of the home as well, right? Sure. I mean, in theory, mm-hmm. talk, talk a little bit about the evolution. So you have this home, and then what happened to it? Oh, well, it was you know kind of. You know, I don't really know the history of the neighborhood super well, but, um, you know, it's kind of, I, I'm assuming it was kind of built as kind of blue-collar class housing, and it was kind of a long shotgun shack, the original house, and it was, you know, as people, as the community was growing, and as the family that was living there was growing, they expanded it in about 1919. They doubled the size of the house and kind of changed the whole look of it, and, um, you know, they just kind of, like, tacked on another house next to it and attached it. I mean, it's, it's all good, but there's still exterior siding down the center wall of the house. It kind of kind of cracks me up. Yeah, that's what know. I got the chance to see here. And Victorian hardware on the Victorian side. Yeah. And it's, arts and crafts era it's a, it's on a, the other. It's yeah. a good example of that um, oh, yeah. architectural genre I, I like to call Petaluma eccentric. Yeah, there you uh, go. Um, you know, you see a lot. You see a lot of like mixture between uh, Victorian style and uh, bungalow style arts and crafts and yeah. then everything kind of got mixed up for a few years here in Petaluma. And uh, I love it. It's, it's really unique to Petaluma. It seems like I haven't seen too many other towns that have kind of mixed up those uh, yeah. architectural styles very much. Yeah, and I've, I've never seen a home like yours either. And it's just it's, it's got such charm to it and warmth. And yet, it's, you can see that it's two distinctly different homes <laughs> with one roof. You know, and you all put it on the front porch and, yeah. and kind of helped to bring that together as well. So that's that's absolutely wonderful. Yeah. One of the things I love about the house is that it 
it's it's an all wood house, old old growth Douglas fir and redwood that you know from here in California, and and it it feels like a living, breathing organism that changes with the seasons. You know, as kind of the doors swell up and the floors and everything, all the wooden pieces swell with the winter and then dry out in the summer. Yeah. You can almost feel the house breathing. It's, right. it's it's kind of a it's a great feeling when you've been there for several years. You get to learn those cycles, isn't that? Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Lots of like speaking on and the natural light, all the windows in it, um, yeah. because the old houses had all these beautiful windows, so you could get natural light. You weren't dependent on electricity, and so the light uh, in a house like that is just so beautiful. Yeah. As the day progresses, the light changes throughout the house and reflects on the walls and the trees. Uh, it's, it's just gorgeous. Right, so the energy of the house really yes, changes. Yes, very much so. So speak, speak about the, the yard, the property for that, because I'm going to segue from the house mm-hmm. uh, conversation into what you do, Suzanne. Mm-hmm. So speak to the yard, and it is lush, people. When I say <laughs> <laughs> it is lush. Well, so, creatures running around as well. Yeah. So talk a little bit about your yard and then the evolution into uh, moving from Marin up here and having your own yeah. Paul and I got married about the same time of his sort of best friend from high school got married. We bought houses at the same time. They bought theirs in Oakland, and we bought ours here. And eventually we got them to move up and buy the house behind us. Mm-hmm. So we have a gate that opens between the two properties. Right. So it's block to block. And um, the woman and I did a permaculture design course. So we designed a permaculture design for both properties. And permaculture is nothing too difficult. It's following the lessons of nature, and the term comes from permanent agriculture. So you look at the way a forest operates. No no bare soil. There's hot zones. There's cold zones. There's places that are wet. There's places that are dry. And so you observe your land over a full cycle of seasons, and then you, you design for those areas. So if there's a plant that really needs a lot of water, you don't plant it in the driest, hottest spot. So you plant you plant things that are suited to the land. Sure. Like a forest would. Yeah. Um, so we have a, this double design um, with many components like ray, rainwater catchment and Paul actually built me a little greenhouse out of recycled materials from the dump. <laughs> but of course. <laughs> That's of course. And um, we have, uh, yeah, the rainwater catchment goes into a duck pond, and we have ducks and fish in there. And we've always had chickens and lots of lots of fruit trees, berries, grapes, nuts, all sorts of amazing plants back there. And um, the front of the house has, well, the back of the house has a massive redwood tree, which creates a total shaded microcosm and this beautiful space on a really cooking day you just go under that tree and it's like being in a forest and the front yard has a redwood uh, sorry a pepper tree yeah old pepper tree gotta be probably yeah. i don't know 150 years old yeah. so when i walked through the kids yeah. to school we used yeah, to yeah. stop and hug that tree mm-hmm. yeah just say hello yeah. i mean it's it's <laughs> the queen of the crown of the block right there it's a huggable tree it is right <laughs> you have to stop and say hi it's completely hollow yeah. and uh kids have left little little goody goodies on it, so we've kind of mm-hmm. turned it into a fairy tree. A few years ago, it was starting to sort of look not so happy, and um, I kind of tried to shift the energy of it by drawing more attention to it. Mm-hmm. 
by placing little little shiny objects or little fairies or whatever in it. And now all of a sudden, nobody walks down the street without stopping and talking talking to the tree and looking yeah, up. And that is fabulous. Yeah. That, I mean, right, that right there could encapsulate the entire program. <laughs> <laughs> right what do you do? We have the tree come yeah. back to yeah. where people stop and Totally. Stop it's so fun to stand in the living room and watch people stop and point and, and talk and look up and and touch yeah. it, and yeah, it's And we're not cool. going to tell you the block of Kia Cut to find that yeah. I, want you to, I want you to roam through, I want you to roam down Kia Cut Street and see if you can discover can which it, tree, yeah. which uh, pepper tree it is. Yeah, I love the idea of kind of drawing people in to our yard like that and kind of yeah. tricking them into stopping and getting a feel for the place. Yeah. There was one time years ago, I planted a big pumpkin right out on the, that little median strip by the sidewalk, yeah. and... And it ended up growing a huge pumpkin right off the curb, right out in the street. And, <laughs> you know, neighbors just say, or people would say, oh, aren't you worried somebody's going to steal your pumpkin? I was like, oh, no, I'm not worried. I'm not worried. And people would just come and see it and watch it day to day. And they'd, they'd come up to me and say, oh, I love watching your pumpkin grow every day. Every time I come by here, I, <laughs> well, I drive my kids by, this, by here every day on the way to school. And everybody has to slow down and see the pumpkin <laughs> out in the street. Great, and, great. How about the day you pulled up? Oh, yeah. I I pulled up one day. There's some guy in a lawn chair in our driveway. (laughs) He's sitting by the house. I was like, hey, man, how's it going? He's like, oh, it's good. What's going on? He's like, oh, I just saw this pumpkin here. It just had such a good vibe, and I had some time to kill, and I thought I'd just sit down and sit with this pumpkin for a little while. I was like, all right, man, that's great. Um, and that just, you know, still just gives me shivers. I love that. that <laughs> I love be, being able to provide that for somebody. Great. great Accidentally, story. if nothing else. Yeah. You know, we mentioned this last week, and um, it was about how when I was in Spain, the Spaniards seem to spend so much time in their front yard. They barbecue in their front yard. Oh, they yeah. do all this stuff in the front. The fruit oh, trees yeah. in their front yard. And here you guys have replicated that and have the stories to back up that yeah. why not? Why put it all in the back? Something oh yeah, oh yeah, and you know when we were looking for a place, on um, front porch was that yeah. was a, a box to check on the list, you know, for things we were looking for, and, and we've had a we've had a lot of good times on that front porch, you know. Yeah. We used to have around this time of year um, uh, community cider pressing days hmm. in the front driveway. We'd have a big cider press, and everyone in the neighborhood would pick their apples and bring it over, and yeah. we'd invite a bunch of friends and play old time music on the front porch while the so your press was running. That is fantastic. Yeah. So, okay, so making cider. When I was over at your house the other day, so then you had um, six or eight uh, youth uh, oh, folks yeah, over, yeah. Some, you know, some kids over for a, a day camp, I mm-hmm, guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were making a galette. Yes. You said a galette. Mm-hmm. Freshly picked fruits in that galette. That's scene. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think from the neighborhood. Even. Yes. So speak a little bit about your camp and, and, okay. and that, and because we want somebody to pick up the slack when you take yeah. off. We want them to establish themselves and keep it going. Well, I work with kids um, six and up, and a lot of the kids end up wanting to continue to come, so I bring them back as assistants. Hmm. But um, one of the things I wanted them to to understand, and one of the magical things about the neighborhood and Petaluma in general, is that there are all these old trees, and there are, many of them are pr- producing food, and there's this mindset that, oh, that's someone else's tree. We don't touch that. Mm. Which immediately sets up a barrier. So if I'm tooling around with kids and we see a tree, we'll all go to the door and knock. Great. So over the years, we've created alliances. We know where 
Barbara is, and she loves to give us lemons, and we know that Tony down the street always has the Santa Rosa plums and just lets us come to the backyard and and pick. And then we were over visiting a neighbor's ducks, and she said, oh, did you get those apples that are falling over on on Liberty? Because we had just picked a wagon load of oranges from Oak Street, and, you know, all of these amazing barriers get broken down. And I want the kids to see that that they can reach out and that people want to share. Right. You just need to ask. It's not something that it's their tree, we don't touch it. You know, as long as you ask. Right. It's a way of connecting with your neighbors. And how wonderful that you could bring the, the youth up there to the door to knock and to initiate mm-hmm. and have mm-hmm. that conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great, great lesson for that. Mm-hmm. So somebody that if they did want to take up, um, you know, the path that you're on, is there some way to connect? I mean, do you have a website or an email or something like that that they could maybe touch base and say, hey, I really want to launch this out, don't know how to do it, never <laughs> done it before? What are your thoughts on how to, uh, to initiate that? In- encapsulated because yeah. of our time. But what do you well, think? I have a website. Um, it's called Chickweed patch.org chickweed patch um, and uh, I think there's an email on there okay. Suzanne at chickweedpatch.com so it's not org it's com mm-hmm. and uh, that talks a little bit about our place and what we do um, I do also I have ducks and chickens and we, the kids eat a lot of food we pick in the garden grow in the garden and what we glean in the neighborhood um, so I want them to have a food connection. I want them to have a connection to where their eggs come from. Mm. And uh, um, and also uh, know that they don't have to go to a grocery store. I've, I've had kids standing in the middle of our garden so many times, and they yell out, you never have to go to the grocery store, do you? <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> yes. That's yes. like, okay, you got it. <laughs> One particular exactly, exactly. <laughs> so um, the other the other thing, it isn't just about food or growing food. My whole thing is connecting them deeply to nature, especially in these days where it's so technolo- technology oriented mm-hmm. and iPhones and computers and games and kids sitting inside. Um, so we are making connections with the animals that live around the area. The birds, the insects, the worms, and the connections between animals and humans. And um, I want to take whatever crazy fear factor away from them that's been given to them through media or um, even fear installed by their parents through the media to know that it's it's fine to be out there. It's fine to be around honeybees. It's fine to be, you know... Mm-hmm. Interacting with animals and picking up a chicken, and yeah. I had a and put your hands in the dirt. Yeah, I had with dirty fingernails. Mm-hmm. Like, oh yes. my gosh! Excellent. I, I had a parent who sent her daughter, and um, her daughter was a total germaphobe, and all that daughter wanted to do every day, all day long at camp, was hold the chicken. Oh, <laughs> she came home covered in chicken, chicken poop, <laughs> and her mother couldn't have been happier. Yeah. <laughs> so oh. yeah. That's yeah. beautiful. That is wonderful. Thank you. So it's um, you were talking about some of the um, uh, well, the barriers maybe set up between some of the youth and, and what you're doing currently with them. And I was thinking, even uh, like I was about to say, oh yeah, and living in town, you know, because that's a barrier mm-hmm. to it. And I'm like, wait a minute, 
but you live in town. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. have this yeah. on your property in town. I mean, going to your property is like going to like a hundred acre forest. I mean, it's like it's got everything there. It's mm-hmm. just really, really lovely from that standpoint. So, and based on our time, I want to switch over, slide over mm-hmm. to Paul because I mm-hmm. want to talk a little bit about your Cal Fire experience and yeah. how that. I mean, because we look at it like, wow, I mean, you're contributing to the community constantly with everything you do. How did you come into that and thoughts and energy around it and how you feel about it now? Well, uh, you know, I was looking for, you know, growing up, I was looking for something to do with my life and some, you know, some way to make a living and still feel good about who I am. And, you know, I grew up going to Catholic schools and being involved with Boy Scouts and being, community service was, you know, always a really important part of life. And, you know, I tried a few other few other paths and you know I saw the fire service as a way of you know I could I could make a good living you know you know care for my family provide for my family and myself but also give back to the community and you know it's, it's a good career you know it's it's allowed us to you know be comfortable in our life but 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 that community service and being able to be of service to people in need is, you know was originally part of why I got into it and it still is still is a big part of it you know, it, um, people that get into the fire service, you know, it isn't always what they imagine. You know, a lot of young people coming up think it's all uh, glory and hero stuff. And most definitely is not. It can be a dirty, very hard, grueling job at times. And other times, you know, uh, moments of, of, you know, horrible mundanity and <laughs> banality and and such. But when we're actually out helping helping people, you know, most of the people in the fire service, they're, you know, still they're still idealists in, in a lot of ways in terms of wanting to be in service to the community. I think there, there is a lot of truth to that. Wow. What a great energy yeah. to spend your career around. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm really blessed and grateful that I've been able to do that with my life, that I've been able to share it with younger firefighters coming up and, you know, and instill that in them as well. And, and I have a huge amount of respect for so many of my coworkers that are, you know, out there really kind of sacrificing their personal life and their family life to a certain extent and really kind of putting themselves out on the line to help people in need you know it's sounds cliche and we talk about it a lot but there's there really is a lot of truth to it yeah wonderful yeah. and it's not just fires right i mean oh you, yeah this right. last year you responded to other tragedies oh yeah for sure uh, i mean in, nobody in the fire service just just goes to fires when mm-hmm. we do all sorts of medicals and and uh, vehicle accidents anytime people are in need you know even letting letting people in are locked out of their house and uh I, I had the opportunity to respond to the uh, the storms and mudslides down in Santa Barbara last year, and that was mm-hmm. was a very very humbling experience. And um, glad I could do my little tiny part to help out down there. And uh, yeah, it's 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 gratifying to be a be a part of that bigger organization that's that's out there helping people and trying to trying to make make California a better place. Uh, you know, I still I think we're still a growing organization, and we have a we have a lot to learn about. Living with fire here in California, yes, and a lot of us do. But I'm, I'm really hopeful that our department, Cal Fire, is gonna, gonna grow and evolve and um, be able to be a service to people for many years to come. Right. Yeah. Maybe take on. I, I don't know the component or how much time is spent in the educational aspect, but it seems to me you're kind of referring to education of individuals. For sure. For sure. And and there's a there's a long history of fire in California, and it's gonna be here whether we try to stop it or not and we have to we have to learn to live with it and we have to learn to um do more prescribed burning right properly and and manage fires to let let them burn a little bit more naturally when when we 
when we um, during times of the year when there aren't going to be catastrophic losses. Understood. Right. Yeah. Understood. The programming specific seasons like permaculture almost using the seasons yeah. to assist you in your you use yeah. nature to your advantage. Yeah. 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 Wonderful how those come together. Well, so thank you very much for your service because mm. um, sitting here, I. I I, I can see the emotion. People hopefully can hear it over the air. But when I'm sitting here looking across at you, I just I really, really deeply appreciate what you do, and I, just, mm -hmm. I can see that it means a tremendous amount to you. So thank you for that as well. So, and obviously the use is in for working with the youth. Uh, it's it's irreplaceable time, right? That time period is essential. So I'd love to hear from you both, and if you just chime on in. But what do you what do you see um, in Petaluma that you absolutely love, and and we'll jump from that really quickly to wrap up on uh, what you would like to see more of in Petaluma. Uh, share with that. Oh, I'll, I'll jump in a bit. I I I love that Petaluma is uh, it's really food oriented. Yeah, yeah, that's that's so much fun and. Talk about gratitude! I got a lot of gratitude for that. Oh yeah, I mean, it's one of the one of the most wonderful, most pleasurable uh, human things to do is eat good yeah. food and and to know about how it's grown and to be involved with your local farmers. There's a lot of that going on here in Petaluma, yeah. and I also love so many of the great community organizations that are here. There are so many people in this community that are giving back and really fighting hard to make this a better place. I mean. From our, our good friend, Trayden Heckman, to you mm -hmm. know, Bud Deacon, you yeah. mentioned, to um, Elizabeth Howland and the Friends of the Petaluma River and the work they've done. Yeah. And so so many more organizations. Yes. Huge contributors, yeah. and I love yeah. that energy. Why don't you wrap up, Suzanne, if you would, on a little bit of maybe what you'd like to see happen in Petaluma, kind of giving us the positive spin on mm -hmm. what's to come and what we should focus on. So Petaluma's always been a place where people migrate from San Francisco and Marin. Yeah. And we're we're some of those people. Um, and I just, I really, my wish for Petaluma's future is that that friendliness and that tight community feeling and that co community giving, we have Daily Acts Organization, we have Friends of the Petaluma River, we have so many amazing organizations that are, and Mentor Me Petaluma, I mean, mm -hmm. all of these amazing people services. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On, on and on and on. And so to, uh, to us, that's what Petaluma was about. And I just want to make sure with, with people migrating from a, a fairly aggro place like San Francisco and even Marin, yeah. that, that that friendliness and that sense of community stays strong. And it's almost like the people who have been here need to, to sort of step out of their way to sort of model for the people that are coming. Yeah. Yeah. To be friendly, to be kind, to be patient, to be giving, and to 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 live with an open heart. That's what this town really is about. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. I love it. Live with an open heart. That's perfect. Put the ego in the pocket, open up the heart, smile, and oh, yeah. have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for joining the Greater Good. Absolute pleasure to have you all join us again. Susanna, Paul, you're wonderful. Thank you so Thanks, much. Barb. Absolutely. Hey now, Cindy Thomas here on Petaluma's Homegrown Radio Station.
I've always got a really tight show rolled up with some of your favorite jam and rock nuggets, both old and new. I love playing live tracks that pull you into the moment, so join me there. Tune in Thursday, 7 to 9 p.m. on KPCA 103.3 FM, or stream us live at kpca.fm. Let's jam. Free Range Radio KPCA is a non-profit, low-power community radio station. Through member programming, the station promotes diversity and a window to the unique personalities in our community. Our mission is to promote freedom of expression, provide access to communication tools, and to foster the use of media and technology to better benefit Petaluma. For more information about KPCA and how to get involved, visit kpca.fm. Africa! Feel like you're beginning to slouch? Starting to hear creaks and pops in your joints? Then All Things Pilates is for you. Instructors and health practitioners join me as we teach you how to move with strength and ease. You'll be educated about the two main approaches to Pilates, classical and contemporary. I'm Darian Gold. Please tune in Sundays at 2 p.m. on Free Range Radio, KPCA, or 103.3 FM. Are you looking for an alternative to the usual political punditry? With Free Range Radio, KPCA, look no further. Given the day of the week, local programmers delve into such topics as Pilates, mental health, and even independent journalism with guests that evoke honest and open discussions. Tune in at 103.3 FM or online at kpca.fm. KPCALP, Pasaluma, California.